was just hours until the wedding was to take place. She was dressed in brilliant, radiant white gown that just dazzled in the sun that was going on. Some of her friends were talking to her, and, and she decided that she would go out and play a little football just for old time's sake with some of them. And so she went out and began playing some. And then they convinced her she should go on out to the farm with them and help them feed the pigs one last time before she left and all the things that were going on. And she got involved in all those things. And suddenly someone looked at their watch and said, Oh, it's almost time for the wedding. You better get to the church. He had been standing there. He was standing at the front waiting for that moment when the doors would open and reveal his bride. He had spent everything he had for her dress. She couldn't afford to get one, and so he took all the money he had of savings, bought her a beautiful, pure, white dress. Just decked. It was beautiful in every way that it could. His heart was overwhelmed with anticipation as he waited for those doors to open and when he could look upon this bride that he loved so very much, more than he had ever loved anything or anyone in all of his life, that he was waiting and looking forward to when she would walk down that aisle and they would be joined together and be able to live the rest of their lives together. The doors opened. And the disappointment, the hurt in his eyes was overwhelming. People turned to look at what they were expecting to be a beautiful bride. What they saw was not one dressed in beautiful white gown anymore, but now a dress torn and ripped in several different places, mud and grass stains all over it as they looked and saw. Her face was scratched, her hands were dirty, one shoe was missing, and on that foot her toes were sticking out through her stocking. He was humiliated. He couldn't believe what he saw. His heart was broken. He had spent everything he had to provide her a dress for this moment. It seemed insignificant to her at first until she looked and her eyes met with his eyes and she saw the tears pouring from his face, down his face and she saw as the pastor reached out to him and the best man and the other attendants trying to console him, trying to somehow make him feel a little bit better. It was what was going on and suddenly she realized how much she had humiliated and embarrassed him after all that he had done. No one had ever loved her the way he had loved her. And this is what she did. That sounds kind of silly. We know not too many brides would go out and play football or feed pigs in their wedding gown. But we do it every day as God's people. See, the Bible tells us that as a child of God, I have been adorned in His righteousness. I have been clothed in the very righteousness of the living God. We've talked about it before, but you can look at it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 when it tells us that God made him who knew no sin, talking about Jesus, to become sin in order that his righteousness might be placed upon us as we look at it and as we understand that we dwell within the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ because he covered it. We don't have any righteousness of our own, but we've been dressed in his righteousness. I'm going to read a verse of scripture in Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 10. There's others, many others I'm going to refer to throughout this time. I'm going to spend a lot of time mentioning scriptures this morning more than I would normally. But I want to make sure that we understand that this righteousness that God expects of you and expects of me as those who have been redeemed by Him, as those who belong to Him, is something that we need to take seriously and we need to hold on to because God has an expectation for the way that you and I live our lives. 
And we don't teach that too much anymore. We don't expect people to be different anymore. We just, you know, we want to get them saved, baptized, and then forget about how they live. It doesn't make any difference. But God says it does make a difference. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And as we look together in Isaiah chapter 61, in verse 10, and as I said, we'll be looking at a lot of other verses throughout this time together. But in Isaiah, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, says, I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and a bride adorns herself with her jewels. But listen to that again. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we just try to understand what it is that you have taught us in your word, after you have redeemed us as your people, we're a special people. We're a people who have been set apart for you because of your grace and your mercy. And you have come, Father, in our lives, and you live within us, and we are a part of who you are by being the habitat of God as you dwell within us. And, and as you've done that, you've taken those old filthy rags of ours and you've removed them and covered us instead with your robe of righteousness. And we need to live like that. We need to understand what that means in our lives and what that, how we ought to be different from the world in which we live because of who we are, because of what has happened in our lives. And so I just pray this morning in these few moments that we have that that you just remind us, again, Father, I know there's nothing that I'm going to say that people don't already know and we've not heard over and over again, but, Father, it's just so important. We've lost sight of what it means to be a separated people. We've lost sight of what it means to be a people of God, be a people who have been redeemed, people who have been changed. And, Father, I pray that you would help us to just get a hold of that again and, and remember it and, and just, with your help, make some commitments to try to be the church that we're supposed to be individually and collectively that we'd live out the faith that you've placed within us by your work of grace through Jesus Christ. And so I pray in his name, amen. You may be seated. Father, you know, as we look at this and as we understand what he's saying to us, we need to see and understand that we, we have been dressed in a royal raiment. The Bible tells us in that verse I read it from 2 Corinthians a moment ago that God paid the highest price that could ever be paid in order that we might be covered in righteousness, that we might be covered in that which we go on. It's not our righteousness, for we don't have any righteousness of our own that is of anything but filthy rags, according to the prophet Isaiah. We don't have anything that you and I can offer to God of our own that is worthy of being received, but we have been given by grace an opportunity to be dressed in the very righteousness of God so that when God looks at you and God looks at me through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, he doesn't see us in the guilt and the worthless rags that we were in, but he sees us in that royal raiment of righteousness. And it ought to make a difference in how you and I live and how you and I think and of the things that we're a part of as we do together, how we act and what we're going on in our lives as we see and understand what's happening before us as we talk about one another. The Bible says in Romans 4.11 that our righteousness was imputed to us. 
What that means is that you and I don't have any personal righteousness that would be of any value to us in standing before God, but God gifted it to us. He he gave it to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so you and I have the righteousness of God in our lives because of a gift of God that He gave to us through the work of Christ on the cross and the resurrection and the power of His love for you and for me. We are called to be righteous, and, and we are gifted to be righteous. God doesn't ask us to do something that we cannot do or be within ourselves, but he gives it to us, the ability to do that. We are a part of that as we look. talked about it before, but when, when, for instance, when a bride comes in, she's dressed differently than anybody else in the church. Others may be dressed in fancy suits and, and very wonderful dresses and things like that, but there's something that sets her apart that makes her different than all the other people that are there and being a part of that time. Folks, that's how you and I are supposed to be in the church. We're, we're supposed to be different than everybody else. Not because we're better than anybody else, because we're not. Not because we have more uh, gifts or talents or abilities than anybody else, but because we have been changed and gifted and graced and adorned by the Spirit of the living God who dwells within us and has covered us with His righteousness and set us apart to make us something that we weren't before, something different than we were in being a part of it. See, the world ought to be able to look at the church, you and I individually and even collectively, and it ought to be able to see that something's happened in our lives that separates us from what we used to be and makes us different than what we were at one time and that we live in a different manner today than the rest of the world lives. We cannot, we should not look like the world. See, today, most of us, our whole goal is to fit in. We want to look just like everybody else. We want to fit in and compromise and be what everybody else is being and be accepted by the world. But that's completely contrary to what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that we're to be separate. We're to be different. We're to be identified as a people of God. People in town ought to be able to look at you and your life and your, your, thought, your actions and the things that you do, the words that you use. They ought to see in you something that is different than what they see when they encounter someone without Jesus Christ in their life. They ought to be able to know there's something that's happened in our lives. It's changed our life. It's not because of who we are again. It's not anything that you and I have to present. We can't take any credit for any of it. But it is the grace of God in your life and in my life. And that grace ought to be shining forth in the way that we live. In the things that we do. In the way that we treat one another. In the things that are going on. We are to be a people who take on that fruit of the spirit of the living God. Those nine characteristics of Christ. We ought to be more loving, more kind, more peaceful. We ought to be more long-suffering. We ought to be the kind of people that stand out in the crowd and make people understand there's something different about a person when they come to know the Lord Jesus Christ than there was before they knew Him. And if we can be the same as we were before, folks, we might need to pause a moment and ask if we've ever really met him. Because if we know Jesus Christ, if we've been redeemed, if we've had our sins forgiven, and we have turned to him, it ought to make a difference in the way that we live and the things that we do. And that's what he's saying to us as a church, to us individually, to me. As, as a person who trusts Christ as, Lord, as my Lord and Savior, he teaches me and tells me through his word over and over again, through brothers and sisters in Christ who teach me through their studies and their understanding, who pray for me, he's telling me day in and day out that there's something in my life that has happened. There's a newness about me. Behold, all the old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. And there's something different about me, a brand new creation. And I am to live in such a way 
way as that is evident and real and true so that people see me, the Bible says, and see and glorify Him. Matthew, Jesus said Himself that you and I were to let our good works show before people in such a way that they would see and glorify God. See, our lives ought to, be a re- ought to tell people, they ought to point people to Christ. They ought to point people to God in the way that He is and being a part of it. We have been dressed in a royal raiment and we can't look like the rest of the world. And we can't act like the rest of the world. We can't hate, we have to love. We have to be kind and considerate and forgiving. Now we can't do that in our own strength. It's not our nature, it's not how we're made. But it's what God does when He redeems us. What God does when he works in our life and he changes us and allows us to begin to take on that character that he's developing in us by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we see and understand that and be a part of it. And so we need to see that. How do we live out that righteousness? How do we allow that to be a part of all that we're going on and being a part as we see? Well, we have to understand that my allegiance is to Christ. It's not first and foremost. We've talked about it. We've heard it. Horn Planner even reminded me of the scripture this morning. We're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. More than, that's the very first commandment. That's the most important thing that you and I are supposed to do in our life. More than anything else. I'm to love God more than I love my wife. More than I love my children. More than I love my job. More than I love anything else, I am to love Christ. He's to be foremost in my life. And, and I need to understand that, and I need to relate to that. And, and out of that love, when I love him the way that I can't need to and ought to, then he teaches me out of that kind of love to love my wife the way I ought to love her, to love my children the way I ought to love them, to love my fellow man the way I ought to love them, to treat them with the kind of, of love and respect and kindness and grace that I ought to give them and forgiveness and all the things that are there flow out of my ability to love God because he first loved me. And being a part of that. And so it has to change. I have to get my allegiance right. I have to know that I need to love God. That he needs to be important in my life. He needs to be the one that directs my life. But there's always going to be people vying for our attention. Situations vying for our attention. Problems vying for our attention. Things trying to pull us away from that understanding, that attitude of love that we have before God. Our problems. COVID. Whatever it may be. Something that grabs our focus and says this is more important than anything else. We've got to figure out how to defeat this. And we've got to do this. And we've got to do that. And we forget about the fact that more than anything else we're to love God. He has to be the most important part of our life. And trusting Him that as we love Him, as we give our lives to Him, as we walk with Him day by day, that He's going to show us how to live fully, abundantly, gracefully, lovingly in a world in which we live. It's very hard to do that because of all the different circumstances that you and I face in the things that are there and going a part of it. It's, it's that righteousness. It's that work of God. Righteousness just simply means to be right with God, to be in right relationship with Him, to walk according to His word, according to His path, according to His plan. And it's His righteousness, His ability that He's given us that. He's clothed us with that. He's covered us with that. That we might have that in our lives and as we look at it and as we understand. And so let me just give you several verses. I'm going to read, refer to these several, so just bear with me for a moment. But I want you to understand, these are not things that I'm saying because 
I just want to have a sermon to say or words that are coming from me, something I've thought about or read about or something else, but these are what the Bible says regarding you and regarding me in relationship to how we ought to live our lives in righteousness, how we ought to be covered and allow that righteousness to be a part of it. So just listen to the understanding that he says. Psalm 11 says, For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance is beheld by the upright. In Matthew 6, he commands us to seek his righteousness. While in Matthew 5, 6, he tells us the pleasure of God is upon those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. Psalm 23, 3 reminds us of our shepherd as he leads us along the paths of righteousness. And Psalm 132, 9 teaches that we are priests and as priests that we are to be clothed in the righteousness. 1 Peter 2, 9 illustrates that from the New Testament viewpoint as we look at that and understand. Matthew 7 clearly declares to us that the fruit of our lives reveals the kind of tree we are, the kind of person that we are, the evidence of what has happened in our lives as we look at it. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 1 leaves no doubt that we are to be dressed in God's garments, in God's righteousness, not in our own because our own are not worthy to be in His presence. Proverbs 14, 12 states that we are to... That even though we as men think we know the way, the way we go is the, leads us to destruction. That there is a way that is right, and that's God's way. That's God's right. As he looks at it and he understands that. Luke 15, when the prodigal son comes home, the father sees him in the filthy rags, but he doesn't look at those and judge him by those, but rather he judges him out of the love of his own heart, and he covers him with the best robe that he has and, and the cloth of, of what's going on and being a part of that and as we understand and being these things as we look at it. Titus tells us that we're to live righteously. Thessalonians assures us that God is faithful to help us live righteously. And on and on I could go. But what we need to hear God's word saying to us, if I am a believer, if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if I have genuinely turned my heart over to Him and trusted Him as Lord and Savior of my life, God has expectations for me. It ought to change the way that I live, the way that I think, the way that I act, the way that I relate. Every part of me ought to be affected by the work of God in my life through Jesus Christ. It ought to affect everything that I'm about and everything that I'm doing. It ought to affect my thinking all the time. I need to be understanding that I belong to Christ. And I need to love Him and serve Him and be living in such a way that people see Christ. It's not important that anybody ever knows who I am. But it is dreadfully important, incredibly important, that they know Christ. Because without Christ, their eternity is set for judgment and condemnation for eternity, forever. They haven't gained anything by knowing me, but they've gained the world, eternity, life, the riches of heaven by knowing Christ. But how can they do that when they look at the bride, when they look at the church, when they look at me, and they see nothing but the filth of my own life, when they see that I'm not any different than anybody else? I don't have a better attitude. I'm not more kind. I'm not more loving. I'm not more generous. There's nothing about me that makes me any different than the worst person in the world. Oh, maybe I haven't murdered anybody, but then maybe I have. Jesus said if I look upon someone with hatred in my life, it's the same. There's got to be something in our lives that makes us so in love with our Savior. 
that what we want more than we want anything else is to please Him. To please Him. Can you imagine? Again, it's just a picture and it's not something that's, that's real. And I, I know you know that and I know that. But can you imagine how that groom felt? When he looked at that bride that he loved more than anything in life. That he had paid the greatest price he could pay for the dress that just made her stand out as beautiful and radiant and lovely. And saw that she had not even had any idea, any concept, any respect at all for the price that he had paid, for the gift that he had given her and destroyed Are we not like that too often? We don't take God in regard. We don't live for Christ. We don't think it matters what we do. Many of us say, well, God's a God of forgiveness and a God of grace, and so no matter what we do, He's going to forgive us, so it doesn't make any difference. See, that's the attitude that, that causes a world not to see the glory of God and, and the wonder of our God. And we live in a world that is so dark and so evil. And the only place they can see some light is when the church is the church. When you and I as individuals are the individual believers, Christians, that we're called to be. That we live in a manner that lets people see the glory of God and see that God can make a difference in our lives. That God can touch our hearts. That God can enter in and does enter in to our hurt, to our joy to our defeat, to our victory. Wherever we are and whatever we're dealing with, He is there with us because He dwells within us as the living Spirit of God because He promised that His Spirit would be within us as He brought us into His family, as He brought us into His household, as He not only redeemed us by His blood, we are born again into the faith of Jesus Christ, into the family of God. We're adopted by God legally in the status that we might know that we are the children of God. We belong to Him in every single sense of the word, and we're to act as though we are His, that we, that we love Him, that we know Him, that we belong to Him. And so as the church, as the bride of Christ, excuse me for keeping my microphone, for the bride of Christ, we need to understand, for the individual church and member, for me, I need to understand, God has an expectation about how I live and how I think and how I relate to people and how I relate to Him and all that I am and all that's going on. We need to see that. The very righteousness of God has been covered over us. We've been adorned with that righteousness. And Ephesians chapter 5 says that God is preparing and working in our lives in verse 27 because He wants to present us as pure and spotless before His Son. And He's at work in you and He's at work in me in order that we might be kind of people that we might live in that kind of manner before a world that so desperately needs to see something that has hope, something that's real, something that can make a difference in their lives. If we don't offer them light, where are they going to get it? If they can't see the goodness of God in the actions of our lives, where are they going to see it? We need to be the people God's called us to be. That's what he's talking about when we talk about this. Is he, he adorns us with his righteousness. He has covered us with his 
goodness, His love. And He longs for us to be a display of that. In fact, the Bible even talks about the fact that we're the trophies of His grace. We're the evidence of the work of God, the grace of God. We're the living fragrance of the love of God that the world might sense the reality that there is a God and the God that exists is the one who makes all the difference in the world in our lives. But we have to know that and we have to live by that standard. We have to be the evidence of that for other people. Because if they can't see in me a difference between what I was before and what I am now, they can't see between in me a difference in what a person who declares that they don't have a relationship with God and have no intention to have a relationship to God through Jesus Christ, then there's something very wrong with my faith. Not with them. They've made it evident what they believe. I've said something happened in my life. God did something in my heart. God changed me from what I was, and he's still working in my life, still changing me. Philippians 1.6 says he's not going to quit working until he's accomplished what he set out to do. And I'm grateful for that because I know he's not finished with me. But in the meantime, I need to be living a life that shows that I've been redeemed, that shows that I've been saved, that shows that I am loved by a holy God who so loved me that he took away the filth of my sin, forgave my sin, and cleansed me by his blood and dressed me not in my old rags, but dressed me in his clean, pure, holy righteousness. So God sees me through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I need to live rightly in a world that's around me, in a part of all that's going on. So would you pray with me? Father, this morning, I know I don't have the right to stand here in front of anybody and talk about being righteous and being those kind of things because there's so many things that fall short in my own life. But God, your word, and that's all that I can live by and that's all that I can teach, the best that I understand it. Is, that makes it very clear that, that you so loved us that you gave your only son to die for us. And if we accept that, if we confess that according to Romans 10, if we, if we say, I believe truly and understand in our hearts that Jesus Christ is God's and he came to this earth and he lived and he died and he rose again from the dead and he lived without sin, he became the perfect lamb of sacrifice. If I understand that his death and his resurrection, what he did upon the cross for me is the only means by which I can be made right with God. And I accept that. I believe that. And I incorporate that into my life by faith that you redeem me, that you accept me, that you forgive me, that you cleanse me, that you make me your own child. And you fill me with yourself. God, I need to remember that because if you dwell within me, then I need to live in such a way that people don't see a false image of who you are. They don't see a, a, an evil display of a life that doesn't regard God in the way that I ought to. But that I live in a manner that pleases you and celebrates you and glorifies you in everything that I am and everything that I do. And Father, each of us who know you have that responsibility. 
but it's not seen as much of a responsibility when we really love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When we relate to you the way that we ought to relate to you, Father, it's not seen as a burden. It's not seen simply as a responsibility, but rather it's seen as a privilege and an honor and a joy to be able to live our life full of the grace of God and the love of God and the wonder of God and to celebrate life in the fullness that we have through Jesus Christ. And what a wonder it is if we could live joyfully, if we could live righteously, if we could live victoriously because of who you are in us, what a difference it would make in the world around us. And so, Father, I pray this morning that you would continue to convict me and to bring me to the place where I long to learn more and understand better and that you would just help me to be that person that you've come to, do, to live within, that you'd help me be that temple, that living body, that living example of Christ in my life. Father, as individuals and as collectively as, as believers together, as your church, as your body, as your bride, let us long to be the example that you've called us to be, to live in righteousness, to glorify you. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.